0: Hi, this is Jimmy and Karen Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. And we hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. And today we're talking about marriage without baggage. Uh, Karen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Good to be here. Well, the baggage that we're talking about, obviously, is the uh, typical uh, issues of our past that we bring into the marriage, and it really has a devastating effect many times on the marriage. And this teaching that's coming up here in just a minute talks about iniquities, inner vows, and unforgiveness. Iniquities means a tendency to a negative behavior Mm -hmm. because of the behavior of your family of origin. Mm -hmm. And so our parents have by far the most influence over us. Mm -hmm. And an iniquity means a bent. God says in Deuteronomy, I'll visit the iniquities of the parents on the children to the third and fourth generation. And so both of us, when we came into marriage, we had very negative behaviors that came from our family abortion, okay? Yeah. And what we when we, re, when we heard this teaching, now this is a, not just a life-changing message, it's a generation-changing message. It, it changes your family for generations. And so, and by the way, God says that he'll visit the iniquities of the parents to the third and fourth generation on their children, but he will extend righteousness to a thousand generations to those who love him. Mm-hmm. So one of, the, one of the things that we decided earlier in our marriage is we're the end of all iniquities. Mm-hmm. All, all of the Smith family and all of the Evans family iniquities stop with us. And as much as we could, it did. Now, the second thing that this teaching talks about is inner vows. An inner vow is a self-directed promise. It's You're hurting, you, you don't know that it's wrong, you're trying to comfort yourself, and you say, well, no one will ever hurt me again. I'm never going to let a woman talk to me again, like that again. I'm never going to let a man treat me like that again. I'm never going to be hurt again. I'm never going to be poor again, you know, so on and so forth. And that turns out to be very, We, we when we make self-vows, we always overreact. That mm-hmm. It becomes bizarre behavior and you get nutty. You think you're the smartest person in the world, but you're actually cr- crazy and don't know it. Mm-hmm. You You act crazy in that area. And then unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is the mother of all issues as it relates to uh, inner healing mm-hmm. and being free from the baggage of our past. So talk a little bit about this, Karen, because coming into the marriage, we both had iniquities, inner vows and unforgiveness.
1: Yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, things were, it, I was so reactionary to certain behaviors. Like, you know, if you acted a certain way and reminded me of my past, you know, I would react to that. And it was like, you know, I, Like, I felt like I didn't have any control, and but I really did. I just, you know, you just feel that way because you've had that your whole life. I always like to say, you don't know you're deceived till you're not deceived, and you know, until Uh you get healed and until you get set free from something, you don't realize how much it controls you. And you know, and you know, I had the discussion with a friend not too long ago. We were talking about iniquities and strongholds, and even a stronghold, you know, in your mind, you know, if if you don't deal with your past and deal with these iniquities and these vows, you know, it it produces a stronghold where you absolutely believe what you think is right and everybody else is wrong. And you live behind that stronghold of thinking that keeps you captured and you just can't break free. And, you know, and until you recognize that, you know, we need healing, we need healing from our past. And, you know, and like you're saying, you know, forgive, forgive those who've hurt you and, and, you know, let go of the judgments and the criticisms and the, you know, I read this scripture this morning about how God, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he was saying, you know, don't make judgments. You know, how you judge someone will come back on you. And also, he said, why are you looking for the speck in your neighbor's eye when you got this this big plank in your own? And I just think it's important to have self-awareness of really what's going inside of us and how we respond to other people. I think sometimes we get so caught up and um, just ha- our pain or, or just the frustrations we have with other people. We don't really stop and think, but how am I acting? Right. What am I saying and doing that's not helping in this situation?
0: That's right. And let me just say, that you know, in, in this teaching that you're going to hear in just a minute, um, if you want more, now this, this will help you, but I have two resources that are available on marriagetoday.com. I have 21-day inner healing journey, and I have 21-day total freedom journey. And this is what these are videos, uh, and they're also uh, journal books that you work through, dramatically, dramatically lead you through uh, a series of, of days where the Lord will heal you. It's it's this teaching times 21. It's going to lead you into total inner healing and total victory in your life. If that's something that you're interested in, just go on Marystay.com and just go into our store there and you'll see both of those. But I promise you, it may be for you, it may be for your uh, husband or wife, it may be for your child or someone in your family. But I'm telling you, thousands and thousands of people have been through that, and we get rave reviews of what God has done in people's lives through that. So you might want to consider it. Um, We hope that you have subscribed. If you haven't, go ahead and subscribe and also leave a review. We love hearing from you. We're going to go right now to the teaching on Marriage Without Baggage. This message is called Marriage Without Baggage. Um, The baggage is, uh, you know, when you're getting married and you have the term, well, I want to marry someone without a lot of baggage. Well, baggage refers to things in our past that are negative that we bring with us into the marriage, that affect the marriage in a bad way. And so optimally, we want to get married without baggage, but for many of us, we got married with baggage. And so with Karen and I, I mean we we got married and we had tons of baggage, especially Karen. She had a lot of baggage. I had a little bitty bag. Karen, a big old bag. No, not really. So we both had huge amounts of baggage from our past. If you're single, if you're divorced, if you're not married yet, I want to have some good news for you. You can get married without baggage. You the these things that we're going to talk about today, they don't take a long time to deal with, but undealt with, these are the things that really ruin a marriage. We're set up from the very beginning for problems because we brought the problems in with us. We brought the problems in from our past. So we're going to talk about three issues in this message today that are considered kind of the biggest baggage issues. Iniquities, inner vows, and unforgiveness. Those are the three things that affect our marriage, day one, in the most negative way. So let's talk about iniquities to begin with. Exodus 34, where I ask you to turn there. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, and the word fathers really means mothers and fathers. Fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Well, the, the word iniquity in the Hebrew language is the word Avon, A-V-O-N, and it means to bend or twist. It's this word right here. Rather than being straight, like a tree that grows up straight, it's a tree that's been blown by a prevailing wind. And literally, it becomes bent in that direction. So God says here, I will visit the iniquities upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So the word iniquity means a bent toward a sin or a negative behavior because of the exposure of your parents. In other words, when you're growing up and you're exposed to a certain type of behavior, there is the old saying, an acorn doesn't fall far from the tree. And that saying means you're gonna be like your parents. You're pretty much set up to be like your parents and that's just simply true. Most of us are going to be like our parents. Well, if our parents are righteous, godly people who, you know, are disciples of Jesus and grew up in a Christian godly way, that's great. They're going to pass on to us those righteous tendencies and we're going to be set up for success. But all of us have to admit we came out of an imperfect environment. And for some of us it was a very imperfect environment and so we were exposed to anger and abuse. Verbal, sexual, physical, and chauvinism, and sexism, and pride, and rebellion, and immorality, and on and on and on. Uh, uh, all of us can sin with on our own. We all have a sin nature. But an iniquity is a generationally entrenched sin. The video player is going while we're growing up, and we're videoing and audio recording how do our parents resolve conflicts. How does my father view women? How does my mother view men? How do they deal with money? What are their values in life? How do they think about God? How do they think about church? Are they legalist? Are they, you know, are they very ungodly? What, what, how, do I, how do I record all these things growing up and then the default mechanism when I become an adult is I do what my parents did. And so when Karen and I got married, we were set up for failure uh, in our marriage with iniquities that were in our lives. Let me give you an example. In our family, emotions were not allowed. We didn't have any emotions in my family. We had them, you just couldn't talk about them. So when a conflict would arise or something bad would happen, we couldn't talk about it. There was never a time in my family where you walked up to a person and say, I'm feeling kind of angry right now, could we talk? You didn't do that. The way you knew someone was mad at you in my family is they wouldn't look at you. And the madder they were, the longer time went by, that they wouldn't look at you. It's the most dysfunctional method of communication on the planet, and that's what I would do to Karen. When I got mad at Karen, I'd give her the silent treatment for three or four days. I'd yell at her sometimes, but then I'd give her the silent treatment for three or four days. It was awful. Well, Karen's family—they're yellers, and they—they uh, they, now they're, her parents are saved and they're over this now. But but. When I married Karen, her family, you know, like Italians, I love Italian people because they're so emotive. You know, there's an Italian right over there. You know them because they're yellers. They're, they're, you know, they're very emotive. So I love them because, you know, Italian people, they grab each other and kiss and cry and yell and all that stuff, it's fabulous. So with, with Karen's family, I would go into her home, they were yellers. And mad. They just had anger issues. So I would go in there. Now my family, there was never emotions in my family. Karen's family, I would go in, they'd be yelling, and then five minutes later, they're hugging and kissing. It's like, you folks are crazy. You got mental problems. Well, it was better than my family. You know, at least they got it out. Well, Karen and I, this this is, you know, kind of encapsulates our relationship. I was playing golf in Canyon. I was in college. And Karen worked for the bank, and she was in a little duplex over on 13th. And so she said, I'm gonna fix you dinner tonight. We weren't married, we were just dating. She said, I wanna fix you dinner tonight, so I want you to come over at six, I've got a really good dinner I'm gonna fix for you. She said, great, that, that would be great. So I was playing golf with my friends. Golf was the issue in our relationship for years. I was playing golf with my friends in Canyon, Canyon Country Club. I think it was about 5.30, and I was like on the 16th hole. Now there weren't weren't cell phones back then. We didn't have anything like that back then. So I'm on the 16th hole and I realize it's like 530 and I'm in Canyon and Karen lives in Amarillo down by Elwood Park. So um, I, uh, I look at my watch and a smart Jimmy Evans would have grabbed my golf bag, run to my car and sped all the way back to Amarillo to get here by six because Karen was cooking this fabulous dinner for me, but the smart Jimmy Evans didn't exist at that time. So I said, I'll go ahead and finish, and I won't be that late. I get there, you know, 45 minutes, an hour late, walk in, I'm stinking, I've been playing golf all afternoon, and Karen is furious. Remember, this is Karen Smith. This is the, you know, angry girl that brought in all this anger. So I walk in the door, and I'm Mr. Cool, and I walk in, I know she's mad. You know, I I know she's mad at me. So I walk in the door and I just kind of walked in the kitchen and she gave me the silent treatment. She was just kind of throwing stuff around on the stove and stuff like that. And so finally I just turned to her in the middle of the kitchen. I said, what's your problem? The, The next minute I was wearing meatloaf, potatoes. She threw a plate at me full of food. And hit me right in the face. And let me just say this. The part that hit my mouth was delicious. (laughs) I didn't want to say that. I was hungry. So she took this plate of food. Threw it in my face. Ran out the door. Got in her car. And drove through the backyard through the fence. And that was precious Karen. How do you break iniquities? You have to confess it. Okay. So I was a chauvinist. I was prideful. Um, I was a, a you know, terrible communicator, um, so on and so forth. So I had to confess it. It's not my parents' problem, it's my problem. Okay. The second thing, I have to forgive my parents. You know, They may have handed me baggage, but somebody handed them worse baggage. In Karen's folks' case and in my folks' case, it's amazing how good of people they are with what was dealt to them. And so don't judge your parents because they also had someone that gave them the same baggage. So you have to forgive your parents. You can't be free without forgiveness. The number three thing, and this is so critical, so you say, Jimmy, I'm really bent in a particular area of you know how I see women, how I see men, how I treat people, whatever. You come to Jesus and say, Lord, this area of my life is bent because of what I was exposed to. I make you Lord of this area. And Lord, I'm asking you to disciple me. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. I'm asking you to disciple me in blank. This is what happens. Every bent in my life when Karen and I got married is gone. Listen to what Karen and I said. I want you to say this now. Here's, Here's what Karen and I said. When we began to learn about iniquities, here's what we said. Karen and Jimmy Evans are the end of all of the Evans and Smith iniquities, and we're not passing one of these on to our children. We're breaking every single one of them right now. And we tried our level best not to pass on, and it's never too late, even if your children are grown, it's never too late to break an iniquity. And the fourth part of breaking iniquities is to break it, to just verbally say, I break this over me and my life and over all of my uh, family from this point forward, children, grandchildren, in the name of Jesus, I am the end of all iniquities, and with me begins a blessing on a thousand generations and righteousness to a thousand generations. Okay, So that's an iniquity. An inner vow is kind of the opposite of an iniquity. It's a self-directed promise made in response to pain or difficulty in life. But we don't make inner vows because we're evil, we make inner vows because we're hurting. Something is happening and I'm hurting, uh, I'm in a very difficult place and I just simply make myself a promise because I'm not gonna come back here. What I'm saying is I'm not gonna come back here. Okay. So it's innocent, very deadly though. Um, I'll never be poor again. A lot of people say that, they grow up poor. Uh, no one will ever hurt me again. Again, we're being hurt and we comfort ourselves like that. I'm not gonna be vulnerable again. I was vulnerable and I got hurt, I'll never be vulnerable again. When I get older, I'm going to or not going to. Uh, spank my kids, go to church, make kids, my, my kids work. You, you say, when I grow up, I'm gonna, and you fill in the blank. So I've never met a person that didn't make an inner vow or multiple inner vows. So this is something we just simply do. Well, what are the problem with inner vows? They're sin. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew five. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than this, these, is from the evil one. Now, so listen to me. So you say... Now wait a minute, Jimmy. So Jesus is saying, I can't say I swear to God. Okay. Then you shouldn't say that. Um, I swear by anything. Uh, you know, Jesus said, you don't go around swearing things. You perform your oaths to the Lord. If you have an oath to make, you say, Jesus, I really want to do this, help me do this. Okay. Uh, inner vow is a promise that I make toward myself. Now listen, in any area of your life where you have an inner vow, Jesus is not the area, the Lord of that area of your life. Why, why is it of the evil one? Because the devil wants to keep you away from the lordship of Jesus Christ, it's evil. Okay. So I say to myself, I'll never be poor again. Jesus Christ is not the lord of my finances. I am, because I said I'll never be poor again, so now I'm, I'm taking care of that. I say, no one's ever gonna hurt me again. Jesus Christ is not the lord of my relationships, period. In any area that I have an active inner vow working, Jesus is not the Lord of that area. So that's the first problem with inner vows. The second is they cause us to be unteachable, unapproachable, and irrational in that area of our lives. In any area that you have an inner vow, you're a little crazy. It's another way to say it. You You think you're a genius, but you're just a little bit crazy. The other thing is they cause us to overreact, what I just said. So how do you break inner vows? You renounce it. I, had no, I, I didn't make it because I was evil. I made it because I was hurting. But I had no right. According to Jesus, I, I must perform my oaths to the Lord. It would be wonderful when we're growing up and we're hurting that someone could pastor us through that pain and help us not to make those mistakes, but most of us didn't have that opportunity. And so most of us, in response to pain, family problems, personal problems, financial problems, marital problems, whatever it might have been, in response to pain, we made ourselves promises. We have to retrace our steps, go back to that point in time and say, I renounce that vow. I had no right to make it. And That's number one. Number two, I have to submit that area of my life to the Lord. I come back and say, now I said that a woman would never treat me like that, a man would never treat me like that, I would never be poor again, blah, blah, blah. I renounce it, and Lord, now... I make you the Lord of my relationships. I make you the Lord of my finances. I make you the Lord of blank. I bring this because I have been God of this area. Because of my inner vow, I have been the Lord of this area. Lord, I renounce this vow and my ability to run my own life and now I bring this area back to you. Number three is unforgiveness. And this is the mother of all issues related to freedom. You cannot be free from your past uh, or any of the baggage of your past without forgiveness. Matthew six fourteen, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, if you're a believer, your, your sins are forgiven, you're on your way to heaven, that's not revocable. What God is talking about here is he will give us as much grace in this life as we'll give away. If we're, if we're gracious people and forgiving people, we walk in freedom. We walk in an intimacy with God in the blessings that that brings. If we're bitter, unforgiving people, we forfeit many of the blessings we can have as believers because we, we're unforgiving. And so the problem with unforgiveness, uh, there's never a time that God will allow unforgiveness in our lives. So we're going we're gonna to deal with the issue of forgiveness here. We have to repent of unforgiveness. It's a sin. We have to trust God with vengeance. Unforgiveness is unbelief. Uh, Romans 12 says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And when we forgive, we're just saying, God, I trust you to deal with these people. If we don't believe in God or don't have faith in God, we try to bring vengeance ourselves. And the most important thing that we do in forgiveness is we bless the person that we're mad at until the healing comes in our own life. A lot of people say, well, Jimmy, I've been trying to forgive that person, but I still feel hurt and, and bitter. Luke 6, 27 and 28, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. That's not trite spiritual advice, that's medicine. Whenever It may be a person that's dead that you're angry at. doesn't matter. Your spouse is going to get the worst of it. It doesn't matter if you're mad at the boss or mad at you know, whoever it is. Your family gets the, the venom. It ruins, it ruins the closest relationships to you. And so we have to get to a point of blessing our abusers, blessing our rejectors, blessing those who defrauded us, blessing those who mistreated us, and saying to them, God, I bless them. Why do we have to bless them? Blessing forces forgiveness out of our heads to our hearts. Remember Jesus said, I'm going to do this to you if you from your heart don't forgive your brother. How do I forgive from my heart? I bless them. It forces it out of our head, into our hearts, and that's where the medicine is. You say, well, I'm so bitter, I'm so hurt, or whatever. You will not hate a person very long that you're blessing. The medicine is in the blessing. Whoever hurt you, how bad they hurt you, you bless them. Because you hurt Jesus real bad, and he blessed you. So we're going to give away grace, because we need a lot of grace. Anybody need a lot of grace? Say amen.